Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. That God had his understanding to this hearing of his word. So he loves these people, loves his church. And this is a church, though poor, was a primary supporter of Paul and his ministry. And he actually held up the Macedonian church as an example to the wealthy Corinthian church. They had a lot of money, they were, they were well healed, but they were chintzy. He tried to remind them that, that Christians are to be both the cheapest and most generous people you'll, you'll ever know. So he holds up the Macedonians as an example. These dear people. So there was a transformation. Something changed dramatically from these, this community, from beating up Paul and Silas as they walked the gauntlet, to being a joy to them, a real comfort to them. And, and when we think about what happened, well, there's an easy answer. Well, they became Christians and they came into the faith and, and of course, that's what happened. But the reality is, people come into the faith all the time and they're still people. They still have all that humanity going on. Something has to happen so that the transformation that has happened in their hearts actually affects the way they live. And that there's a difference that reflects the reality of that new identity in Christ. So now he says, it's almost a breach, a break in everything he's said up to this point. All of a sudden he's talking to these two women, Iodia and Syntyche, church ladies, women who are deeply involved in the life of the church, but some kind of a disagreement has taken place. So Paul, writing from prison, thinks about these two women and how critical they are to the life of the church. Certainly they were very active, very prominent in the life of the church, which of course is symbolic of the reality of the church in the first century where women are so prominent in the church. And he's concerned for them. So he singles them out and says, for them to get along. Remember, women, you're Christians. Get along. Yodi and Sintiki. And then, then you all, church, you are my yoke fellow in this. Help them. Help them resolve this issue. We are in such a horrifically contentious time. As I was thinking about this this week, I thought, this charge of... Paul to Yodi and Syntyche, that could, that could stand for two other Christian women that I know in our time, Sandy and Candy. Sandy, very prominent Democrat, also known as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She went by Sandy in college. People who know her well probably call her that. And Candy... Candace Owens, who is a very prominent, articulate Republican, 
and they're both Christians. I can imagine the Apostle Paul saying to these two women, what an example would be set, Sandy, Candy, if you two learn to get along. Don't agree with each other necessarily. You don't have to resolve your issues. But love each other. Demonstrate that you belong to Christ. I mean, what's gone on in our whole political discourse that being a Christian doesn't seem to matter? It seems to be something way down on the resume of so much of our politics these days. And maybe when people are reminded about who they are, I mean, we have this language of identity politics. Well, I identify as. We have a new identity in Christ. We have an identity that is not something that we claim for ourselves. It's something that is given to us by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit that comes into our hearts and lives and changes a whole community like Philippi from those who beat up on Paul and Silas to those who are giving him comfort and aid. The central identity of a human being is not the stuff that is being talked about that divides us, that is so horrifically hurtful in our time. Drives me crazy. So this week, two young police officers, 124, 131. My kids, all three of them are older than that. 24-year-old, a 31-year-old, were just sitting in their car. Somebody came up and shot them both critical condition in the hospital and here come the protesters hoping that they die what's going on where's the Lord where's the animating center of our culture that gave rise to our constitution where's the love So disturbing. So Paul writes to these two women, Yodi and Sintiki. Remember who you are, whose you are, and, and look at each other through the eyes of that transformation that has happened in your life. Don't forget about that. Your becoming a Christian was not a matter of you being dragged to church every week. Your becoming a Christian was a redefining of your identity. So he says to these women, look at one another and try to see the other as God does. Try to see the other as, as so of, of such value. Yodia, Sintiki, if she were the only woman on earth, Christ would die for her. Sintiki, look at Yodia. If she was the only woman on earth, Jesus would go through his suffering and death to save her. And we begin to look at one another with, with a sense 
of the exalted nature with which we've been created, an image and likeness of God himself. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He said, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are all mortal. And their life is to ours as that of a gnat. So all this stuff that's occupying all of our time and discussion and everything else is equivalent to that of a gnat. But it is immortals with whom we joke, work, marry, snub and exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we were to be perpetually solemn. We must play. But our merriment must be of that kind, and it is, in fact, of the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. You have never laid your eyes on an ordinary person. Save the Blessed Sacrament itself, there is nothing more holy that presents itself to our senses than our neighbor. So what that means is that we somehow get ourselves in touch with that reality that God has given us to see beyond that which we see. Whenever I do a memorial service, I'm reminded that the person that we're remembering is gone. We've, we've lost this person. And the reality of that loss is such that we know what happens. We know that over a period of time, everything returns to dust. A friend of mine had a church that was located next to a Revolutionary War Battle, uh, battlefield and graveyard and they had to do some changes there and they dug up some of the graves and all they found of one revolutionary soldier was his button. We know what happens. We know the reality of, of death. But what we declare at such a time is that we declare something that we never see. And that is the, the resurrection, the newness of life, that which is beyond our sight. We see death all the time. We never see resurrection. Or do we? What are the moments where we are given an infusion of joy Moments when we are given eyes to see the breach between heaven and earth. Moments when the realities of, of eternity break through and we're, we're touched and we're impacted. It's even hard to talk about because it's so personal. It's so very individual. 
there are times in human life for all of us when there's just more than what we see. And we're somehow impacted by it. So when I was a kid, on Saturdays before I'd play basketball on Saturday afternoons, I had a little MG convertible, and so I loved to go out and just drive. And um, I remember on so many occasions driving up into the orange groves above Riverside and looking out at Mount San Antonio, Southern California. We called it Mount Baldy because it was above the tree line. And something about Mount Baldy, I looked at it, and it was so beautiful. And yet it was just kind of a normal-looking just bump in the earth. It wasn't like a Yosemite Valley or one of the something up in Glacier or something like that. It's just a nice round 10,000-foot peak over Southern California. But there was something about it that captivated me. And I remember wanting to drive up to Mount Baldy and somehow, somehow enter into that beauty. Somehow embrace it, somehow become, become one with that which I saw. It created me a longing. A longing to somehow grasp the beauty that I could see. And sure, I drove my car up there, hiked up to the top. Just a bunch of dumb rocks up there. And I drove home, and looking back on occasion... I'd see that mountain again, and somehow it had that same allure, same draw. How is it that we can see something that is in this world of such a magnificent nature, and yet we, we experience at the same time separation from it? We can feel that sense of awe, but also somehow that, that it is apart from us. We can't enter in. We can't become one with it. And C.S. Lewis, there have been times when I think we do not desire heaven. But more often I find myself wondering whether our hearts, in our heart of hearts, we have ever desired anything else. C.S. Lewis suggests, and the Apostle Paul suggests, that when we live this life and allow ourselves to be embraced by the joy that God has for us and, and live this life in a way that we really want to know what it means to have this as an abundant life, a life that gives glory to God, when we do that, We're given new eyes. Not just to see something like Mount Baldy, but to see something like our neighbor. People that we encounter day in and day out. And to be captivated, captivated by the beauty and the awe of one who's been created by God.
if you think about the process, my, my youngest grandchild just turned one. Of course, I showed you all. I had to do that brag thing and show you all a picture of the baptism last week. <laughs> I was terrified when he was born. Seven and a half weeks early. And I look at little Luke now with all of his fatness and smiles and all that goofy stuff of a one-year-old boy. I am so grateful. I cannot look at him without seeing the handiwork of God. And will that change when he's 19 years old? And Grandpa's old news? Not at all. So Paul is saying, Yodi and Sintiki, think on these things. Whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is everlasting, whatever is excellent, think on these things. Look at one another through those eyes. Sandy and Candy, you're both Christians. Let that Christianity come out. Say what you want to say, argue, etc., but smile and love one another through it all. Be an example to the world of what it means to be redeemed by Christ. It's such a critical, important perception that comes to us from the outside. It doesn't, it's not something we conjure up. It's something that that is a gift. But I'm convinced with C.S. Lewis that it is a gift of every human heart. And it's whether or not we decide to allow that gift to infuse us, to come to us. If we allow the mystery and the awe of such an experience to transform us. So I told my kids... When I die, I want you all to be inconvenienced. I'm going to take my ashes and grandkids and anyone else you want to grab along. You've got to hike up Mount Baldy. Don't tell anyone because there's some stupid California law that will prevent it from happening. But dump my ashes up there. God be the glory. And join me in prayer. And dear Father, may we be reminded that the secret signature of every human soul is to be given a vision that breaks through where you actually open the windows of heaven and allow it to shine in and have a transforming impact on our lives. May we live each day, O oh Lord, with that transforming reality, motivating and animating everything we do. In Jesus' name. Amen.
If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.